Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Matt Salem, and you've tuned in to another episode of Our Best Behavior, brought to you by Behaviorally. Behaviorally, the global market leader in evaluating shopper marketing, helps brands define and diagnose the behaviors that drive shopper growth. Each month, we share industry insights on trending topics designed to help clients make better shopper marketing decisions. Today, we're joined by Michelle McCory, SVP Client Development, about her recent experience at Shop Talk and innovations in retail impacting shopper behavior. Michelle, great to have you join us today. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me, Matt. Always awesome to be with you. I'm excited to have a conversation about Shop Talk. I want to hear, first of all, what was it like to just be hanging out with a bunch of people at a conference again? Well, it was in Vegas. I do like a little gambling, so right away I was in. Um, but it was really exciting to be around other people. The energy in the room was just like palpable. People were excited to be present to learn. It was like, I don't know, going back to your first day of school when you used to like the first day of school before you got to the end. It was great. Cool. Yeah, I saw some pictures from the event. It looked like it was engaging and fun. Uh, I saw a cool one of you giving a wave from the stage, and I heard that there were some happy hours to be had. So it sounds like all around productivity, business, plus a little bit of fun at the conference, which is always a good thing. And that's that's what it should be, really. Um, so I, I'd like to dive into Shop Talk more and understand what were some of the major topics that were discussed, and maybe we can pull back the onion, peel back the onion? Either yeah. way, makes Either sense. Way. Pull or yeah. peel back the onion and um, you know see what we got in each of the layers there. So what were some of the kind of broader topics that were discussed at Chop Talk? So many. What I can say again is it was just the content was fantastic. The the speakers were fantastic. But a couple key themes really came through. Not surprisingly, a lot around sustainability, re-commerce. And, and really the topic around this is a little bit less about you know, just recycling, it was going beyond that. So when you think of re-commerce, right, the Poshmarks, there's a company called Cherish. It's, you know, reusing what you have out there. And I think that's huge because it's less putting garbage in the, the landfill, but finding a second use for it, which I thought was fascinating. The other angle around sustainability that came up a lot was not just don't do bad, but do good. And what I mean by that is Whole Foods spoke a lot about, you know, regener regenerative agriculture. So it's not just don't, again, don't do bad, but I'm doing things to make the soil better. I'm trying to improve life moving forward. Another one, Grove Collaborative, really about um, they have refills for their bottles. They're a, a household cleaning company. So again, changing consumer behavior, but doing good, not just less bad, which I thought was eye-opening as well. I mean, I can go on and on about it, but I think the other thing I'll come back to is it actually links a lot to brand purpose, which we heard a lot, which is really, again, having brands do stand for something. Pepsi spoke about uh, Doritos Amplify Black Voices. So again, it's not just... I heard it a lot. Don't don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Like you have to actually stand for something and not just be marketing speak because, and I quote, I don't remember who said this, consumers can smell BS a mile away. I, I like how you link together sustainability and that whole idea of brand purpose and don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Because I think that holds very true for sustainability. And I think what we've seen in recent years is that sustainability is really embedded into corporate culture. It's not just something that companies are talking about. It's something that they're acting upon and acting upon very wisely and very specifically and with purpose. You also made another mention in there about just the shoppers generally. And it got me thinking about the whole idea of e-commerce versus the store. And the whole idea of conference, people, being back around people, right? So what about the store? When we think about the physical store, is is is, is that dying? Very good question. And a lot of people spoke about this. And I think, you know, even frankly, as consumers, you know, last year, we probably thought the store is dead. You know, we've all moved to getting our groceries online, you know, picking up things at the curb and, and all that other stuff. 
The store is not dead. And for many reasons, I think the store is back. It's probably back a little bit differently. I think a lot of it is, you know, people felt isolation, frankly, before with COVID. So the store is now coming back to have this sense of community. And that was another theme that kind of came up. Um, It's also coming back to be more about experience. People want to get together, give them something a little bit different. American Eagle spoke a lot about their, the store clerks, right? They're now becoming mini influencers. And I think they're giving more role to that. And I think it's allowing it to be more authentic. Another word that kind of came up a lot. So the store is back. I think the the linkage between that brick and mortar and the e-com they spoke a lot about because your brand and another quote I heard throughout was your brand is your superpower. And I think we have to make sure that that experience tracks in the brick and mortar as well as e-commerce. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the idea of the store clerks, the associates really kind of having this elevated role as influencers or ambassadors. It makes me think of going into like a Best Buy, Mm -hmm. right? If I go into a Best Buy and I'm looking at the TVs, I want the TV nerd. You know, I want the guy that knows everything about TVs. You know, we're researchers. We're all nerds here. We can say that pretty loosely, right? Yep. I don't want the guy that's like, oh, yeah, either way, you can't go wrong, right? So it, 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 would, it sounds right to me that the physical store can be the place to get that expertise. Right. And it was, and I appreciated sort of the, the CEO or whoever was speaking that was like, hey, listen, you know, I'm a 50-something-year-old guy. I'm not the target. So hearing me tell you this is really, again, inauthentic. So let's have it from the ground up, almost like a grassroots. These are the people that believe in it and can sort of stand behind it in a very genuine way. Mm. Now, in thinking about brick and mortar, as well as e-commerce, and thinking about maybe with a bit of a more e-commerce flair, just alternative channels or means of shopping, right? So when you think about brick and mortar, you think about the stores you always go to, your food shopping, your drug stores. When you think about e-commerce, Amazon must come to mind first for the vast majority, but of course there's the mass merch stores online and such. What about other avenues? Was there any talk around other avenues of e-commerce? Very, very much so. Right. So a couple of key ones that came up with that were live streaming, which isn't new really in Asia. China led the way with this, but is sort of starting to really make a dent here in the U.S. and I think is going to be a, a big factor moving forward. A lot of brands talked about kind of different ways to do it, but it almost, in a sense, like the ones that are doing it, again, I'm going to come back to this community, right? People were engaged with it. They're seeing you do this live streaming and people are asking questions and they're jumping in. So I think it's a way to also build brand loyalty, right? You're engaging consumers with this brand and it's exciting and new. So live streaming one, I think, to keep an eye out for. The other one, not to surprise to hear, this will be the metaverse, right? It's still very new. Lots of people are talking about it. PacSun's doing a lot. People are partnering with Roblox. And different brands spoke about it differently, right? Some acknowledge that, you know, they were in skincare and certain things may be a little bit harder to get into the metaverse. The key theme about this is just try it. You know, I heard it throughout, like, you don't know what it's going to be like. It's here. Again, coming back to community, can't, can't remember who said it, I should have this somewhere in my notes, but it was also people can be authentic in the metaverse um, and maybe let a little bit out that they might not in, in reality. And there's almost two realities actually that came out of it. So the metaverse is going to be one to keep an eye on. I think everyone acknowledged they don't know what it's going to look like. And that's exciting. And it's new. But don't don't not do it is really the big key. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the metaverse because my seven-year-old son can spend $20 on Roblox in about one minute. So I you know, would treat him and then he's like, oh, I spent all my Robux. You did? I just signed in one minute ago. So I have to teach him value a little and not give him that 20 bucks for at least another month or two. I've but- been holding off on getting my son into the Roblox. <laughs> though I did, on as an aside, I came back from the conference and I said to my husband, I said, I think it might be time for Ryan to get into the Roblox. And he said, is that for him or for you? I said, <laughs> Kind of for me. (laughs) Kind of for you, for sure, for sure. So as you think about 
the metaverse, how it ties to community, and how it ties to personalization. I mean, in thinking about Roblox and having the uh, fortunate or unfortunate, you be the judge experience of seeing it, one of the key things that this money is being spent on is personalization within the metaverse, right? You can dress up your character, you can buy specific items. So what about personalization in the shopping experience? Was that a topic that had arose at Shop Talk? It did, and it came up in, a, in just a variety of ways. One, you sort of mentioned, right, in the metaverse, you can kind of be your own avatar, you can personalize things. Um, a lot of them have specific NFTs. Again, I can't remember exactly what that stands for, right? But this also built people that community and people wanted in on that. Personalization also came up in terms of just the product. You know, Revlon spoke about having fragrances that you can layer. Um, another brand circle with with water that you can, you know, distill in your own fashion. And then the big one was really data. People know their data is going somewhere. What they want, and they've kind of accepted that, is use that data to personalize my experience. And so I think that's going to be a big one as we think about kind of moving forward is, how are you going to make this more relevant to me? With the younger generation, I would think they want that and they see value in opting in to being tracked. And I think I'm somewhat in the middle, whereas my father's like, I don't want anybody tracking me. I'm shutting off every tracker. And I've always been along the lines of, I'll let them track me because they'll give me some information I can use. Mm -hmm. I think this takes it a step further and says, don't just give me something I can use if I want or that might work. Give me something that's tailored and made for me because you have all of my data. Well, that's exactly right. And I think it's it's also like those different cohorts. People are different by age and and you know, different things, this allows that to be customized as well. And I think acknowledging that it's not a one size fits all sort of situation and how you're going to succeed with client A, client B, you know, person A, person B. So I think understanding the more helps you do a better job. And I think actually just to circle back, the one thing a lot of the brands also spoke about was solving the shopper's needs. You know, again, in terms of this authenticity, it's not about just selling products. We have to do that. They're brands. They need to exist. But it's really like understanding my consumer's pain points and how can I fix it? And so what I develop in my innovation needs to be through the lens of them. That is a great segue because one thing I wanted to understand is at behaviorally, how are clients being guided through that? How is behaviorally helping clients understand what the different touch points are, where the shopping experience can be impacted, and how to best impact their behavior during those experiences? That's a very good question. And what we've been doing really for the past several years is taking a focus in that omnichannel behavior, right? There's people that are living in both the e-com and the brick and mortar. That's not going away. In fact, we're now going to have these other avenues. And so what we have is a service called Omnipath. And that goal of that is to understand the path to purchase and to really help people guide decisions in that. Where can I influence behavior in those different areas, whether it's in the brick and mortar, the e-commerce, in that Roblox metaverse? It's a very holistic look that needs to take place, it seems. You can't just look into one avenue or the other, and you can't just look into each avenue individually and then try to understand where pieces cross over. You really have to intertwine them throughout a process mm -hmm. in order to understand how the two different shopping avenues work together. And granted, e-commerce may become two or three different avenues from there when you speak about the metaverse and live streaming and such. So it's a very interesting time for you. What was your favorite learning from Shop Talk? What was the favorite part, aside from the happy hour, Michelle? Let's not go there right away, okay? And the gambling. That's okay. <laughs> um, there was really so much. But if I had to take away one thing, it was really understanding that the brick and mortar in the retail isn't dead, you know? And I felt that myself, like when I could start to go back to a store, 
I was kind of excited a little bit, you know, am I still going to sit on my couch and scroll through Amazon and buy things I don't need? Probably. But am I also going to nice, you know, enjoy the experience of going to a physical store? So I think it's understanding that there's a variety of channels and sometimes too much could feel too much. I think for brands and, and retailers, it's understanding you have different channels for different purposes and different cohorts. So to your point, understanding where that all makes sense is vital. Parting question for you. In being excited about getting back into real physical stores and assuming that the typical food shopping trip is not the area of excitement that you're looking for, what's your ideal leisurely shop at brick and mortar? This is terrible. I'm going to sound like such a suburban mother right now. But if I could leave my kid at home with my husband and just take a walk through Target with a nice cup of coffee and buy a variety of things I don't need, I'm a happy girl. Love it. Love it. Good old Target. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. Appreciate hearing all the perspective and experiences from Shop Talk. Once again, thanks to our audience for tuning in to Our Best Behavior, brought to you by Behaviorally. Michelle, really appreciate your time. And for everyone listening, we'll catch you next time. 